Hello and welcome back to Success Fact, the Success Factory. I am, of course, Felix Becker, your very own success coach. And I'm sharing a conversation with you that I had with Grizel Pass. Uh, Grizel is a, a very fascinating person. She started in HR and started going into career development with her coaching practice, but has transitioned into parenting. And as you will see in this conversation, there actually is a significant amount of overlap between career development and leadership, as well as parenting. It's a fascinating conversation. It took many twists and turns that I did not expect from this conversation, but I'm hoping you're having as good a time with it as I did. If you do, Please remember to like and subscribe. It helps others find this content, share it with someone who you think might benefit. And as you know, I will leave the contact information for Grizel in the comments below. So if you want to reach out to her, if you're looking for a coach and you want to connect with her, you'll have her contact information right in the description below. Now with all that out of the way, let's get right into my conversation with Grizel. Perfect. Okay, let's, let's do it. All right. Well, Grizel, so nice to meet you. Really nice to meet you. So who are you? Well, I, woo, that's a lot. That's a loaded question, right? <laughs> that's like, well, who am I? Okay, so I'm a, I'm a coach. Uh, I'm a writer. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. Um, I am a talent acquisition professional, or at least I have been for uh, several years. And uh, yeah, just an all around general good human, <laughs> I hope, you know? So, yes. yeah. That sounds like it. I mean, yeah, we, we all need to be good humans. Um, yeah. So that that's awesome. So what's uh, what's your story? Like how, how did we end up here today? So I've been in corporate for a very long time and, um, you know, um, nothing to fault corporate with because, um, you know, um, it gave me work and when I needed it and I've learned a lot of things. Um, and I've been with some really good companies. Uh, but every time there was a business decision, somehow it always made an impact on me or my family. So, you know, when a new CEO came in and he decided to restructure and eliminate a department, um, after 11 years at a job, I found myself out of a job. Um, and out of a job with a company that I really enjoyed working with. So mm. that was, um, uh, you know, that was a little tough. And I still have a good, um, you know, place for them in my heart, you know, everywhere. <laughs> uh, they're kind of um, ubiquitous. So uh, whenever I, I uh, come across their brand, I, you know, I, I think of it in pleasantly, not, not terribly. Um, but that was tough. And um Whenever um, there are issues, like even when um, I was doing a good job and um, they wanted to, you know, take it to the next level, um, they couldn't because of the economy or whatever it was. So I kind of got tired of somebody else calling the shots and deciding whether my family gets to eat or not or whether I get to keep a roof over my head. Um, so in one of the uh, organizations I was with, I was with, um, I had the good fortune of getting a coach from um, an organization called Better Up, and he was a brilliant um, coach. And uh, we got to talking, and I said, "Hey, tell me a little bit about you know what you do as a coach." 
And um, it just really resonated with me because I, one of the things that I enjoyed um, the most in my job was helping people to move ahead, move ahead in their lives and et cetera. And it seemed like it was um, work that would be really, really impactful. So I decided to take the leap and um, go ahead and pursue my my coaching training. So that's that's how I got to coaching. Yeah. So how did you end up? Uh, what exactly were you doing in the corporate space? Uh, I was working as a talent acquisition manager. Um, I also did like diversity recruiting. I I was a diversity program manager. I did like all kinds of aspects of of um, talent acquisition. So sourcing, recruiting, executive recruiting, program management, these kinds of things, learning and development, all of those types of things. Yeah. A lot of human connections. I mean, that's a very human driven uh, position. How did you end up in that? Like what was, what was your path into, into that space? Uh, It was actually very, I don't know, serendipitous, I guess, like the universe just had had things uh, lined up for me. Um, so I, my degree, I have a master's degree and my master's degree is in, um, communication, specifically journalism. And I spent about a decade working, um, in that space. I was a writer. I was a producer. Um, I worked for a news magazine show, which is still on the air. Um, and I did really good work there. I was actually, um, nominated for an Emmy. And I really enjoyed that work. Uh, And um, the other side of that is that I sat there and I said, hmm, so let me get this straight. You have a master's degree. You speak five languages. You're Emmy nominated, but you're working an overnight shift from, you know, 10 at night till six in the morning. You barely have a day and a half off in the middle of the week, Wednesday through Thursday. And you're not making any more than $40,000 a year. Plus your outlook for, you know, going the next step is kind of grim because it's all about who you know and what you're willing to compromise on in order to get to where you want to go to the next step. And I just had a very difficult time with that. Um, uh, I, I was asked to pretty much compromise my values and it was just for me, it just wasn't what I could do. Yeah. And so, um, so at that point, I um there's not much call in corporate for a writer or a producer, right? So um I took on a job uh with a a, a temp company and they asked me to help a gentleman who was um opening up a an SAP consulting company in uh in atlanta where i lived at the time and um they um needed me to do everything so i did everything uh from bringing in the furniture into the building hiring people setting up their um their benefits programs everything i did everything from scratch and so um that's uh there was a gentleman there who um wanted to continue to work uh, with this um, SAP consulting company. And um, he uh, said to me, I have this job offer with a recruiting company, but I would rather stay here. So 
um, how would you feel if I introduced you to this person uh, on the recruiting side? And what would you, what would, you know, would you be open to that? Um, he's looking for someone who speaks Spanish and Portuguese and you've got that. So I said, sure, I'm open to that. Had a conversation with him and then just started um, down the path of um, going into recruiting and talent acquisition. Gotcha. So it's almost like a, just a fortuitous, it just, you cross paths with the right person at the right time. It wasn't something you were really like chasing after. No, but it seemed like uh, it was somewhere where I could use my abilities. So I have, you know, my language skills was a thing. I, I have an undergraduate degree in Latin American affairs. That was the market that I was going to be working with. Um, I, really enjoy talking to people. So that was what the job was, was pretty much just picking up the phone and calling people, which I absolutely have no problem with. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. You know, it just seemed to kind of match with my skills. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like that. So is that's a company you were with for 11 years then? No, uh, that was a uh, small company. And it was eventually um, sold to one of the big four consulting companies. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, so how long have how long were you in that talent acquisition space then? Oh, uh, I would say probably about uh, twenty years or so. Okay, yeah. so so you have a lot of experience in that. Um, so what's yeah yeah mm -hmm. so what do people need to know about talent acquisition? Like what what are you looking for? Like what are your what are your red flags and what are your green flags when looking at at people? Um, well, um, I think people need to know that when they apply to jobs, um, that's just like ground zero. That's like just the basics, right? Yes. Go ahead and apply. Always apply to the jobs just because, um, you know, you need to get your resume into an applicant tracking system so a recruiter can go ahead and, you know, see your resume and if they like it, it's already in the system. It makes it easier for them to process, you know, your resume and send it to the hiring manager and things like that. Right. Uh -huh. um, so that's important to do. Um, but it all will depend on um, what um, obviously what specifically it is. Right. So if you're looking for a software engineer, um, it's not going to be the same as, you know, you're looking for somebody who is experienced in machine learning or somebody who's like in marketing, right? There's going to be different qualifications. So you're going to look for that. But most of the times recruiters look for keywords in the resume. They kind of scan the resume to see if that person has those things. And if they do, then they take the time to read the resume because on the, on this end, people um, often say, you know, I don't understand why it takes so long to get an answer. Um, I think that depends on the professionalism of the recruiter. Uh, so, um, but also when you're getting 300 resumes for one position, and then you're also getting, um, you're working on anywhere from 20 to 30 positions uh, at a time, that's somewhere around 6,000 to 9,000 resumes to look at. Yeah. And so, um, that is what the recruiter is up against, you know, in order to bring. So it's super critical that the uh, person does have on their resume all of the keywords to um, not only the keywords, but 
statistics about, hey, I improved uh, XYZ thing by 30% yielding thus and such in sales, for example, right? So that when I look at that, I go, oh, wow, okay, so this person is actually giving me data about their success rate, and then I can go ahead and, and, and know whether that would be a good person to talk to. Um, so those are kind of the things that I uh, recommend. People forget that their resumes are their marketing piece. It's their calling card. So if, if it's not on the resume, number one, it doesn't exist. Um, number two, don't think that the recruiter is going to necessarily infer that, you know, maybe you did something because you pointed out X, Y, Z on your resume. Um, spell it out. Um, don't make them guess. And sometimes when there's questions, sometimes I've been in a position where I've seen somebody and I've thought, oh, wow, this person could be like really great. I wonder if they did this. But because they didn't really answer it in the resume, I kind of have to jump over to the one that did answer that mm. and and put that person through just because I'm under a time crunch. Um, managers want to fill their positions as soon as possible. Oh, sure. Um, they don't want to wait because even, you know, by the time um, uh, you do the entire process of getting someone through an interview, getting them through a background check, um, making the offer, getting them onboarded, you have anywhere from six to eight weeks and people have to kind of plan ahead for those six to eight weeks. And most people don't like they really want to get that job as soon as possible. And the best time to get a job is when you have a job. Yeah. So, you know, I guess from your experience looking at obviously tens of thousands of CVs at this point, uh, how does someone stand out in that sea of six or 9,000 that you're looking at at any given moment in time? Like besides answering the questions, what is it, what else is it that people can do to elevate themselves higher up the, the list then? And I, I'm I only asking because I'm completely ignorant about this space. I've never had to deal with any of this. So I, I, I don't know anything about this space. Well, um, certifications help. Um, anything... Um, that shows, um, like if you're starting early in career, um, uh, folks that are coming straight out of college, it helps like if they have internships, right? So that kind of um, already says something about, you know, their discipline, because it takes a little bit of discipline to um, be able to do your work at school, and then also, you know, take on an internship, which requires, you know, um, you to do good time management, and that sort of thing. Right. Um Certainly, um, you know, uh, good pedigree from, you know, a good um, educational institution doesn't hurt. Um, but I think any person that shows that they are motivated, that they're driven, um, that they um, can self-manage, that's going to be something that stands out. Um, a nice um a uh, profile picture doesn't hurt because, um, you know, uh, you want to put your best foot forward um, when you're when you're uh, looking for a position. Um, but I think um, uh, I think uh, attitude, uh, good attitude uh, goes a really long way. Yeah. So one thing you mentioned was the uh, uh, having certifications on there. And I guess um, my question here is, 
are certificates more important or is experience more important, generally speaking? Uh, I would say hands down experience is more important than certifications. I know because there's plenty of people that are really good at taking tests and they haven't got an idea of how to work something out. Right. Sure. Um, whereas, you know, um, if there is a guy who has or a, or a, a lady who has experience um, and all you have to do is um they can basically, there's a story about, you know, um, uh, a machine broke down, right? And um, there are all these people trying to figure out what to do to fix it, right? So they call the guy with the experience and he comes in and he, you know, twists the right, like the right button, pushes the right button and gets the thing working. And he says, okay, that'll be $10,000. And people are like, what do you mean? All you did was like turn a knob. He says, yes, but I knew which top knob to turn. Right. Right. So that's, that's the deal. Like, um, hands down experience is better, but certainly, you know, it doesn't hurt that, you know, if you're going for a data analytics job and you have a, a Google analytics certification, or, uh, if you have an, you know, you want an, uh, a position in um, networking and you happen to be Cisco certified, all of that's going to help you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But what about red flags? If you look at a resume and you're like, oh, this, this, this is just throwing off all sorts of alarm bells and you're like, definitely a no. Um, I would say things like... Um, no explanation of gaps in the resume. It's mm. not, it doesn't matter if you decided to take a year and, you know, travel the world or whatever, just say so, you know, just say it on the resume. So, um, but, um, you know, a lot of times there's inconsistencies uh, with um, the resume. So if you have someone that, you know, um, uh, worked in retail and then worked in, uh, in just different areas, it's kind of confusing because you're like, so what do you do? Yeah, are you okay. in marketing? Are you in retail? Are you in the automotive industry? Like what? Because it's kind of like a moving target. So you don't really know how applicable the experience is. That doesn't mean that there aren't people who can move from industry to industry and be successful, they can. But I think you have to know how to, you know, make those skills kind of match up. So no, I think that makes total sense. I mean, one of the things that I'm trying to do in, in my coaching practice is aligning people with a goal, right? And just cutting out all the fluff, all this stuff that doesn't get you closer to your goal. Um, and I, I think that's exactly what you're describing too, is if you want a job, you have to make sure that everything you're doing for a given job is aligned with the skills required for that job. Um, right. so speaking of coaching, uh, knowing all of that, I mean, that's a wealth of information, um, that you have on talent acquisition and human experience. Mm -hmm. Where does coaching come in? How did that happen? Well, I, um, one of the things, like I said, that I really enjoy, um, with, uh, talent acquisition is helping people, um, move ahead in their lives. And, um, I, um, I decided that I could 
do more and make more of an impact um, through coaching. Um, because oftentimes it's not about, um, you know, do you have the skills or don't you have the skills? It's about what limiting self-beliefs are holding you back. And they can be in a variety of things. You know, um, I started off um, my niche in career coaching, which mm -hmm. it was kind of like a normal, you know, outcome. I still do that. However, I have moved into more of um, parenting, which is um, helping parents uh, deal with emotional wounds so that um, they can help raise healthier children. So basically, you know, heal the parent and you um, empower the child. Um, I, I, so, love that. I love that. Yeah, one. I um. I really feel like that's something really connected to um, my values. My values are um, truth, love, and freedom. And um, it pains me to see people in um, situations or circumstances that really drag them down and that really um, take away from them, take away from the quality of their lives, um, the quality of the lives of their families. And so I wanted to be part of the answer, not part of the problem right so that's where the coaching has come in yeah yeah that's that's amazing i mean i i totally agree with you that um healing the parent can empower the child uh you know just even from my own experience being raised by by some of these people so um what was uh you know you tell I'll me tell you. how much you're willing to share but like i could see the career coaching coming from your history I can see that being a pretty easy transition, but then going into parenting is a very different space, um, mm -hmm. similar skills, different space. So what, what made that transition for you? Well, first of all, I'm a human and I'm a mother and I've been a child, right? So um, I've had those experiences. I actually recently, I went to, um, the um, Miami Book Fair, and I saw um, Henry Winkler was one of the speakers, um, and he currently has a show on HBO Max called Barry, and a lot of older generational folks um, know him as uh, the Fonz on Happy Days, and other people know him from being the coach on um, the movie The Water Boy with Adam Sandler, and um, when he was talking, he mentioned that um, he's 79 now, and he mentioned that um, when he was going for um, becoming an actor, and um, he does have fantastic pedigree, he went to Emerson and he went to Yale um, for his uh, training. So um, really, a really, um, you know, great background in terms of his formation in, in that field. Um but he re recalled that his parents never really supported him. And um, he mentioned that, at, you know, nine years ago, he started uh, therapy. And I thought, wow, here is a gentleman who is 79 years old, but he is still like, uh, just scarred, like by that experience as a child, right? And so to me, um, that was in a way a confirmation that I'm on the right path um, because I think a lot of, um, there's a lot of people that are uh, wounded that don't 
um, kind of deal with that. Sometimes they're confused. They don't know why. Why is my kid acting out? Why is my kid out of control? Why can't I seem to communicate with my kid? Um, and sometimes it's because they're carrying uh, generational wounds that they're passing on to their to their kid. And um, you know, if those um, uh, those things don't heal, it just makes it uh, a lot harder to, to talk and relate to, to your child. And, um, you know, when you have a healthy human and you have a healthy, you have a healthy family, you have a healthier society. So, you know, I've had personal challenges as a single parent, uh, raising two kids with, um, special needs and things like that. And so, and I've been around other uh, ladies, uh, other mothers who have those challenges. So that was just something that um, uh, it's, uh, I think children are sacred and they need to be loved. And I think they need to be protected. And I think that, you know, um, they're just valuable. And so, um, yeah, like what better thing than to, to, than to work in a space like that? Yeah, no, that's incredibly noble. Uh, noble task. Uh, I definitely appreciate you being in that space. Um, you know, I was just thinking as you're as you're describing all these things. Uh, when I first became a parent, I I certainly wasn't ready. I think most people aren't ready. Uh, but it mm-hmm. came uh, just even for me personally at a very inopportune time because I was still in my surgical training and I just didn't even have time. Um, but more importantly, uh, looking back at it, I hadn't figured myself out yet. Uh, and now I was struggling with, uh, well, who is Felix? Who am I? What am I here to do? Uh, in addition to trying to guide this new person in this world on their own path. And uh, I felt really lost because I didn't know how to guide them if I didn't even know how to guide myself. Um, so, and, and I think there's probably most parents uh, are in a similar situation with that. Um, and I, and, and two, like my girlfriend is a school counselor and I see the disconnect that the parents have with the children and how much that affects the children, not just at school. I mean, I feel like the, the the problems they have at school is just a manifestation. It's just a symptom of the underlying problem. And exactly. right. So th- this is a huge problem in this country, in the world. So yeah. how, how do we, how do we fix that? Because if you really think about it, we have been raising children for hundreds of thousands of years and we still don't have it figured out. Right. <laughs> um. But so where do we even begin? Well, I don't, you know, uh, everybody's different. So it's not as if every kid comes with a manual and each child is entirely different. Like I have two kids and one of them is extroverted, gregarious, um, just, you know, bubbly and what have you. Um, the other one is, um, and, and she's in the arts. She loves the arts. Then my son is, um, you know, just quiet, um, very logical thinker, um, more of a loner, prefers, you know, to be alone than have a lot of, you know, that human interaction kind of drains him. He needs to recharge before he can do it. Uh, Whereas my daughter gets kind of thrives on it. Um, And so they're just different. They're not going to come with a manual. So you have to kind of not 
try to, well, your sister does that, you should mm. do that, or your brother does this, you know, a lot of parents compare, they kind of like certain qualities about their children. And, you know, they, they, they want the other child to emulate it. I mean, uh, that's a terrible thing to do. I mean, you put them in a position where they're comparing with one another, because it devalues them as a human, as a human. Um, the other thing is, is that, um, I think you have to um, um, just slow down and meet them where they are. Um, look, one day they're going to come to you and they're going to tell you something that you do not want to hear. Yes. <laughs> and the first inclination is to like, even if in, inside you are screaming and you are, you know, just completely overwhelmed don't show it, you know, and if you can't compose yourself at that moment, um, just say, you know what, I'm hearing this for the first time. Um, so can you give me a little bit of time for me to take this in? And when I've had a little bit of time to process it, can we talk about it? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, don't get in your kid's face and tell them that they are, you know, whatever you want to tell them you know, that they're a disappointment, that they're losers, that they're, you know, I mean, you know, um, sometimes what happens is that, um, you know, kids will come to you with something and it'll be something that you're afraid of, something that you fear, mm -hmm. something that you don't want them to go through. And you're seeing them going down that path and you are freaking out you're just freaking out about it. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's um, even if you are, you don't, you can't show that in front of them because it's otherwise it's, it's, um, it's counterproductive. Um, so, you know, how do we fix it? Well, you know, I think um, there has to be um, nothing shows love more than time and communication. So those two things I think would, would be essential. And then um, beyond that, I think celebrating your child's individuality, I think that's really important. Um, but like I said, they don't come with manuals. So you have to take one thing, one thing at a time and not be so down on yourself because you don't have it figured out, you know, but, uh, actually, um, I think if a parent is willing to clean up their side of the street and kind of, you know, look at that can of worms and take it out little by little, you know, uh, go through that process. Um, then as the parent becomes stronger, um, they can, they can do better because yeah. the more you understand yourself, then the easier it's going to be for you to understand your child. Oh, for sure. I agree. And I, I, I like what you said there about treating them as individuals. I feel like with my kids, uh, once I start recognizing that and uh, treating them as individual human beings who have their own journey in life and you know their own thought patterns and their own desires and their own needs and wants, I, I feel like it almost eased the burden for me because I was like, 
uh, you know, and, and that's one of the big things that led me to to always saying, be a parent, not a boss. Um, you know, a lot of things that I've seen is parents are always like, do this, do that. And I, I've come to realize these are human beings and yeah, sure. They don't know what to do, but it's my role as a parent to prepare them for a successful life. And so instead of just telling them what to do, I really need to teach them why they're supposed to do certain things a certain way. Um, and that's the same way I would approach another, another adult, right? It's, it's, I wouldn't tell another adult, you know, do this, do that, brush your teeth now, brush your hair. Right. Uh, it's, I would say, well, you know, uh, the reason I brush my teeth and the reason you should brush your teeth is because it's for good dental health. I don't like going to the dentist. I don't like to have cavities. I don't like it drilled in my mouth. Right. Um, uh, and so that's huge. Uh, I like that a lot. So knowing all that, uh, what do you think is one thing every parent could do better? Like if you got three minutes on CNN to tell the world or whatever your favorite news channels, tell the world, uh, you know, something that they needed to do different or better or, or change your perspective on, what would that be? I would say, think before you speak. I like that a lot. Because we have two ears and one mouth. And I think we really need to exercise that. Um, people want to be seen. They want to be understood. They want to be heard. Yes. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you, help another human feel like they're being seen, understood, and heard, you got to slow it down and just listen and not speak out of turn. So if I were to say anything, I mean, I think that at the core of every human, out of every person, that's something that's like an innate desire to be understood, seen, and heard. Yeah, that that is so true. And, and seeing it also from... Uh, maybe the child's perspective. I mean, one of the conversations I had with my kids uh, uh, a while ago now, but I said, you know, if if somebody yells at you, it's most of the time, it's not about you. It's about something they're going through. It's just that outward manifestation and you're an easy target, but it's not about you. So I don't want you to feel bad when people yell at you. Um, I want you to think about what's going through their mind, uh, trying to build some of that empathetic response too in the process. But um yeah, yeah, it yeah. goes back to just treating them as individuals, right? They're human beings. Um, they're yeah, obviously... and I think sometimes parents, um, you know, they want to live out their dreams through their children. Yes. And they want them to follow, you know, in their steps. So they're the, you know, and sometimes it just happens naturally, right? I mean, if the dad's an accountant, the kid becomes an accountant. If the, you know, dad's in a medical field, the kid becomes, you know, I mean, you know, the dad's a gynecologist, the kid's a gynecologist. Yeah. I, mean, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it happens that way. And sometimes that's okay if that's what they want. But when um, things are imposed or a child is manipulated, I, I've seen parents that, you know, will say, oh, well, if you don't go to med school, I'm not paying for your college. Uh, you have to be an MD. And the child wants to be a psychologist. Yeah. But they're still in the medical field. Like, what's the big deal? Like, but yet, you know, there's this thing, this standard that they're holding them to. And I think that what's really, really, really important for any human being is to make your own definition of success. I remember I was listening to um, uh, an interview with Maria Shriver 
And that really hit me really, really hard when I heard her say that, because I was like, that's right. You have to have your own definition of success. Your definition of success and my definition of success are probably vastly different, right? Very Not, much so. Maybe somebody, for somebody, it's, you know, getting an accolade. Maybe for somebody else, it's, you know, um, achieving something in their um, careers or, you know, living in this nice neighborhood or driving this nice car or, you know, for some other person, it might be, hey, joining the Peace Corps and, you know, helping people in other countries like or or even in the inner city or, you know, everybody's definition is different. So, you know, um, what happens a lot is that when you are in a specific like, let's say I grew up in New York, there's like a certain vibe about New York, right? It's very fast paced. Um, you better be on your P's and Q's, you know, that sort of thing. Um, uh, there's a lot of networking going on. Um, when you want to go into certain careers, it makes sense for you to be in New York. Yeah. But, you know, if let's say you want a career in television, it makes sense for you to be in New York. 100%. Sure. Or, you know, New York, it's always New York, LA for film, for example, New York, LA, Atlanta, to some degree, Toronto, right? Uh -huh. These are some places for that. Great. As long as it's what you want, but it has to be your definition of success. I had a, a friend in, um, um, in high school, and her biggest ambition was to be a mother. And that was what, you know, um, lit her up. She had amazing parents. She had an incredible, um, like, uh, modeling of what good parents are. So her greatest desire was to be um, in a, a mother, not to be in. She worked at Nickelodeon. I knew her at, at the time when I was working in television. She worked at Nickelodeon, but she could care less about that. And out of all the media places that she could have worked, what did she pick? She picked Nickelodeon <laughs> where there's kids, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's sort of like, you know, so each person uh, to define your success by what somebody else is like, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. So it's really super important to define what that is for you. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Obviously, success is a big thing in my world, too. So uh, I, I hear you on that. So how are you doing all that in your coaching practice? Who you work with and how do you, how do you help them with all this parenting stuff? Well, I think it's whoever, um, is committed and whoever needs it because, you know, I'm, I'm a guide. I'm gonna help someone discover the things that they already know. Um, but they have to commit to that journey. They have to commit to the work. I mean, I can say, look, here's the car, but it's up to them to get in it and drive. Yes. Right. Right. So, you know, um, uh, and I think that sometimes um, uh, people have to get over their fear. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you just have to jump. Sometimes you just have to do it. And a lot of times what I've discovered whenever I've been afraid of doing something is that after I've gone in and done it, 
it's almost like anticlimactic. It's almost mm -hmm. like, wow, this was what I was afraid of because the it's um I saw a meme and it was um a picture of God, right? And there was a little girl in front of of God, right? And he was asking her to give him a little teddy bear, like this small, right? And behind his back was this big, humongous teddy bear, right? So she couldn't see what it was, but, you know, he was like, trust me, right? So it's, that's the kind of thing, like, sometimes you just have to trust the process. You have to, like, you know, be willing to say, okay, I'm scared. I don't know how to do this. This is hard. Um, I have no clue what to do with this kid that's driving me nuts. But be willing to to just, you know, take that step because the reward when you do is um, is huge. Like to have a connection with your child where your child wants to talk to you. Um, my son doesn't talk very much. Um, my son doesn't say I love you very much. So when he does say it, it's like a big deal. And the other day I got a phone call and he talked to me for an hour. I was absolutely floored. I was like, this is a pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, because it was just so great to see that he responded in a way that you know, I need guidance. He came to me. Um, he had questions. He came to me. Yeah. And as a parent, like, oh, that's what you want, you know, because there's so many voices in this world um, trying to get the attention of our kids. There's so many. And what do we want? We want to, we are, as the parents, have the biggest influence on our children. There's nobody that can speak into the life of a child that has more influence than the parent themselves. So I mean, true. I can, I can talk to your kids. It's never going to be the same as you talking to your kids. That is so never. true. So it's critical. I think that, um, you know, parents do remember that they have this incredible, incredible, um, just uh, responsibility. Um, but with that responsibility comes this amazing reward um, when your children come to you and they have, they feel safe. Yes. You know, creating that safe space is, is huge. Uh, I agree with you on that. Um, cool. Um, all right. Well, I have a, I have a few semi-scripted questions that I ask everybody just for people to get to know a little bit more about you as a human and the quirks that you have. So um, right. the, the first one is going to be, what is a place that you haven't been yet, but really want to visit? Oh, I have so many, <laughs> so many, so many, so many. Um, but I was actually talking to somebody about this. I was actually talking to a friend of mine who happens to live in Bali. And, you know, one of the things that we, we were talking about was, hey, you know, uh, what, what do you want to do for the new year? What do you want to celebrate? And I said, gosh, I would love to go to Thailand. That would be like a really beautiful place to go. Um, I would like to go to the Maldives. Um, I was actually um, 
talking to someone yesterday about that. And she had told me how she had gone to the Maldives and how beautiful it was and the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, those those couple of places, but I, I have a ton of them. Yeah, that's awesome. No, those, those are great. Give me give me ideas now for, for things that I may <laughs> want to add to my bucket list. All right. Would you rather take a cold shower on a hot day or a hot bath on a cold day? Uh, I would say a hot bath on a cold day. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Um, would you rather get to your destination quickly and spend more time there or take your time and enjoy the journey instead? A journey, a hundred percent. All right, cool. That's, that's where the magic is. <laughs> uh, this is the last one. This is the weirdest one, but would you rather have a cat that barks or a dog that meows? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had to pick, which one would it be? <laughs> oh, that's yucky. I, I think a cat that barks then. Okay, all right, fair enough. I think this is the first time somebody <laughs> answered with that one. So that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, Grizel, this is amazing. Uh, so much good stuff. Uh, where can people find you? Who should reach out to you? And anything else you want to say? Uh, so uh, my website is uh, growingalifecoaching.com. Um, so people can find me there. I do. Um, I have, you know, resources on that website. I have um, a free guide. Uh, I also, anytime anybody works with me, I'd like to say is that, um, a portion of the proceeds go to supporting, um, CELA Freedom. CELA Freedom is an organization that is highly rated, um, for their programs, um, against human trafficking. And, you know, um, with the love that I have for children, um, that's an organization that I really, um, support and believe in, um, you know, no child should ever have to go through something like that. Um, so there's that when when folks work with me. Um, there's also a social cause uh, there. And in um, and there's a little section, a little tab there that talks about my writing. Uh, I have a, a book coming out um, next year, next fall, uh, called Growing a Man. And it's basically 10 questions I want to answer for my kid before I kick the bucket. So um, uh, things like, what's my purpose? What does it mean to be a man? Um, how do you know she's Mrs. Right? Those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, growingalifecoaching.com. That's awesome. I'll be sure to leave all the links and contact information in the description for everybody to come find you as necessary. So thank you. This was awesome. All right. Thanks, Felix. Thanks for the invite.